Hey, hey, everyone, this is Dan, the GM, bringing you episode 143 of What the Dice. Well, I think we're gonna do a do 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 random listener shout out. This one is heading over to the Discord. Lyle, I know you're listening. I super appreciate it, and I can't wait for you to join next season. That is all I got for our shout-outs. If you want to get your own random listener shout-out, all you have to do is follow us on Twitter, join our Discord, join our Facebook, or head on over to Good Pods. Anywhere that I can pull names that follow us, I will. Also, we have a ton going on behind the scenes with Season 2 encroaching ever so slowly. So if you want to get in on our Patreon and add your weapons and items for Season 2, head on over to patreon.com forward slash whatthedice underscore podcast. Or reach out to us on whatthedice.weebly.com or on the Twitterverse at whatthedicepod. Don't forget to tell all your friends about us. Rate and review and help us grow. Thank you. Now, I'm going to shut up and let you get on with this week's episode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 143 of What the Dice. It's evening in the town that we have kind of become our temporary home away from home as we have adventured around. This town has become very quiet. With the guards gone and the winter finally given up and spring has given way, we hear the sounds of the bugs in the night air. But the town, the village, isn't what we're here for. We make our way slowly down to the shoreline, then up the now very worn path to the storyteller's campsite. We are greeted with the warmth of a flame as the storyteller is sitting, cooking fish and rice over the campsite. Well, 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 me friends, welcome, welcome. Supper has just begun. I have fish, I have wild rice, but most importantly, I have a tale that we must continue. Well, last we spoke, the adventurers have made their way to the administration, but administration has one more task for them. One final dive into the depths of this forgotten place. They must replace something inside their computer. Apparently the only one that can do it is the adventurers. Not because they are skilled, not because they know what they're doing, but because they are expendable. Well, my friends, I wonder how the adventurers will deal with this. Sit back, relax, and hear me tale. Yeah. 
in the last episode, the team had to deal with some electrical issues after getting three engines jump-started and finding a strange, strange eye that followed them around in two of the rooms. They were able to get everything back online, hearing the Miranda power up. The systems AI was not able to be found, but it loaded up Project Freya. We come back with the team in a small elevator being lowered to the lower areas. Not to mention with the uh, accompaniment of an enforcer and a scout. Because didn't they give us people? Yes, they gave you an enforcer and a scout. As you guys are going down this solid steel elevator with an enforcer and a scout next to you, you hear the bell chime. As you walk out, you see this massive room with engine sparkings, and you can hear Addicted banging on the walls around it. The enforcer and scout lead you into the, the heart of the chamber, and you can see Addicted on the walls, pressing themselves against it, hammering as you can see massive vault, uh, massive cylinders of the purified whatever chemical bubbling in vats above you. The engine in the center is dark. There's no lights to be seen. You just see this massive silhouette. The enforcer walks over, flips a switch, and red lights kick on. The Enforcer points to Faye, points to Kalila, and they tap themselves. They point at Defibulus and point at the massive engine. Fix the engine. Gotcha. Right, where with you? Kalila will nod. They walk over and they take a defensive stance at the most northern area. The scout takes a position in it, the southern area. Alright, uh... Faye, you want to be with the scout and I be with the enforcer, or do you want to be with the enforcer and I be with the scout? I'll be with the scout myself. Alright, I'll take the north with the enforcer. The Fibulous, as you walk up to the computer console, you can see that you have to actually walk inside of it. It looks like there's just enough room for someone to kind of side-scoot to work. Are you ready to do this? Yeah. As you open the door, everyone hears the sound of an electrical pulse as a giant energy shield activates around the room. Some of the infected that are there are able to break through some of the glass and they are starting to hammer on the electrical wall and they are sparking. Defibulous, I need a knowledge engineering check. It's a nat 20. Do you want the full total? Yes. 33. With a 33, you are able to pry the, the thing free and you are starting to work. And little by little, some of the energy shield wavers and one or two infected get through. It is quick dis quickly dispatched by the enforcer and the scout. But you notice that every time Defibulous touches or moves something that you can hear, the energy wall wavers just enough 
get something through. Work faster. Defibulous. Every time I ask you to roll, depending on what you roll, is how many addicted get through. Alrighty. We are going to use the what we're going to call the adrenaline rules, where you basically tell me what you're going to try to do, and then I will tell you the appropriate skill to use. And that goes for everyone, okay? Yep. Yep. All right, let's go. Are you wanting me to play with my critters, or are you just going to assume auto they do things that are helpful and it's just Kalila? You're going to need to roll for them as well. Okay. Top of the, the order. Defibulous. You have the panel open, and you can see the charred remains of the circuit board you need to replace. Deep within inside, you see a glint of something small and silvery, something that would fit into the palm of your hand, but you cannot reach it. You would have to pull out the circuit board and then climb in to pull it out. The circuit board itself is secured by several wires that look like they can be easily pried free with just your fingertips. What would you like to do? Does the object that's jammed in there look like it's going to cause problems if I put in the new one? Yes. Alright, I will disconnect cautiously and safely start disconnecting the old damaged board to get the object out of there. Roll your engineering skill. Uh, 30. With a 30, you're able to pry and pull things through. Kalila and uh, Faye, three infected break through. Starting with Faye. It is running straight towards you, jumping over the safety rail just in front of you. What would you like to do? Just one, right? Just one. Is the enforcer busy? Or the scout busy? They are keeping their eye on things moving, other places moving. And it's just in front of me, so how far? It's jumping over the rail towards you. Throwing dagger. All right, roll your dice. Nat 20. With a nat 20, you throw your throwing dagger and it pierces straight through the addicted skull, sending it tumbling backwards over the railing. Your throwing dagger bounces off the electrical wall and lands next to your feet. Kalila, an infected, has breached through the electric wall and is crawl running towards you. Double arrow, thwack thwack. Roll your dexterity. 17. With a 17, you plant two arrows right into it, pinning it to the ground as Hugin runs over and just stomps on it. The last creature is running straight towards Mugen. Looks like it has some kind of twisted piece of steel as it is bull rushing towards the small, well, the medium-sized diorat. Claw attack. Jumping. All right. Roll. Uh, melee. 19. The 19, it takes him a second to pin him down, but does enough damage to where the the addicted drops its weapon and hits the ground twitching. The enforcer shifts over and switches from his harpoon weapon to his hammer, and the scout begins to get into a higher position on the roof line, or ceiling line. Defibulous. You have unhooked the circuit board, and you are able to pull it out freely. All right. Am I able to get into the re into position to grab that silvery thing out of there? You will have to climb inside to get it. How 
safe is for him to get into there and get it. You don't see any electrical sparks happening, so if anything, it'd be a low voltage. Alright, he will make his way into it to get that thing out of there. As you're crawling through, carefully dodging wires, you reach out and you grab this strange teardrop-shaped metal item. You feel a chill run down your spine. I need you to roll a will-saving throw. 22. With a 22, you hear something echoing in your head and... Go on. Destroy it. Flood it all. I'll protect you. And you shake your head and you're able to pull those thoughts out of your your mind. While you're under there, Faye, Kalila, you see a group of ten breach through. The enforcer charges a group of two as the scout charges a group of two, leaving six of them for y'all to deal with. Starting with Faye, what would you like to do? You have two running towards you. More throwing daggers. Alright, roll your decks. 19. With a 19, you're able to hit and do some damage to each of them. They're slowed down, but they're not taken completely out. Then they seem to try to jump over the railing, and your daggers seem to catch a pulse of electricity that is unseen as they spark and hit the ground, twitching. Kalila, you've got three running towards you. Burst of nettles. Also, burst of nettles is a spell, so uh, as long as they're within a 10-foot radius, which I would wait until they were, it should auto-hit them. One is down, the other one is still scrambling towards you quickly. Hugin's got one towards it, and Hugin's got one towards him. Who would you like to have go first in your group? Hugin's going to do a leaping bite attack. So launch in the air, come down with his, like, you know, above long leaping, and Mugen will this time do a ranged attack. All right, roll the range, and then roll his, uh, Mugen, or Hugin's what, dexterity? Is it? All right, so Hugin is a 32. Okay. Mugen for his ranged is also a 32. As they go down, one that is only injured is still scrambling towards you. We move to the fibulous. You now need to crawl out of this and carefully make sure you don't catch any wires. I'm gonna need you to roll a reflex because you are crawling backwards. A reflex save or just reflex, like a dex check? A dex check, reflex saving throw, whichever's higher. I'll give you a nat 20 on that. You're able to crawl out with ease and you're able to start lining up the disc or the the circuit board. You begin to slowly push it into place as you hear that strange item echo in your head again. I need another will saving throw. 24. With a 24, it echoes a little bit more and you still shake it, but you hear... Just think of it. Just think of how big of an explosion this would be. Just think about all the destruction you could do. The shield powers back up fully, and it gives you guys a chance to clear out the remaining handful that are there and reorchestrate yourself to the next wave. There is more and more addicted pounding on this electrical wall, and you can see it starting to spark and starting to cause damage. Defibulous. I need you to roll a knowledge engineering to get this circuit board completely hooked up. 31. 
With 31, you quickly hook everything up, close the panel, and begin to flip the switches that are connected to it to power it up. In your ear, you hear the scientist come in. Okay. Submitting the code. Uh, you're looking for a data pad. It's going to be alphanumerical with number pad, number and star. Code is 4412 pound. I need a perception check. 37. With a 37, you see the thing that they're talking about. It would require you to climb up onto the engine itself, which means risking stepping on buttons and switches that may turn off the shield. What do you want to do? He'll climb up, but he's going to yell to everyone that the shield may go down while doing this. Thanks for the heads up. We're doing good. Just work faster. Kalila and Faye, the addicted, are now three stack tall. They are climbing over each other, trying to get to those vats and yourself. Kalila's going to, while it's still safe, take a good, like, slow 20-foot retreat from the electric fence. So she has more time to shoot things if she needs to. I need a perception check from Kalila and Faye. Uh, Faye is also scooping up the uh, dagger that's at her feet. Mm-hmm. 28. Okay. 33. Faye, you notice that the scout has her hand to her headset, and she looks down at you and starts to kind of usher you, like pushing you back towards the main engine. Not like putting their hand on you, but that like they they get close to you and kind of get in your way to where you have to step back, and it's a constant. That's probably okay. I stepped back naturally. Kalila, as you are stepping back, you see the enforcer start to bull rush you, and they literally pick up Hugin and Mugen and start to shove you towards the compute towards the main engine room. She won't fight it, startled, but she'll let it scoop her up. As you both are shoved into the main center of it, Defibulous, you type in the code and you hit pound, and the cylinder around you slams shut as the power breaks. You all can just momentarily see as more turrets start to appear and more addicted begin to flood in and you can hear nothing but gunfight and the screams of these creatures as the world slowly gets quieter and you hear what sounds like a lift slowly pulling you upward you can feel the water pressure and the air pressure change as you go up one level two levels three levels then finally you are at the fourth level and it opens back up, and you can see that the engine above you is the one that you worked on earlier. The scientists are all in there just staring at you all in awe as the power of the system fully boots up, and you can hear the Miranda chime, and then you hear a 
a static in the intercom. Project Thea, is it full power? And the lights click, and everything feels comfortable. But there's that weird sensation in the back of your mind as you realize that there is hundreds of addicted fighting a single scout and a single enforcer that is only being supported by a handful of turrets. The administrator walks up to you with a slow clap. Well, well, it seems you have survived and we have full power again. What about the enforcer and the scout down there? They will be fine. We've activated all of the turrets and we have sent down others to help. The addicted, though, uh, they will be used for uh, research. We will find a cure, even if it uh, means turning them into a fine paste to find it. Clyla's not going to open her mouth again, but she doesn't... Maybe not the most apparent not happy face. She's not scowling at him, but she's not smiling either. It's a her, but yes. Her, sorry. She smiles and she goes, Now, as for getting you all out, I did promise and I will uh, keep to said promise. Now, if you will uh, kindly follow me. She walks you down to a room that is well hidden from anything. It doesn't look like it is a part of the wall. It looks like it is a wave and a shimmer. And you can see what looks like a, a cylindrical tube with four seats inside. Now, this is the, uh, the, uh, the best way out. But uh, I'm sure you have many questions, and uh, I am sure that you want to uh, get good meal and good rest. But uh, I do not have time for this. You can uh, go talk to my staff as they work. When you are ready to leave, uh, we will make sure that you're able to get onto the sub okay. How does that sound? Good? Good. She nods and just walks off from you. Kalai's going to make sure to take out, like, the, like, I guess any of the earpieces or communication devices, because the one scientist just butted in whenever she wanted to. So she's making the attempt to hopefully, like, not be overheard, but I also know she doesn't fully understand them. And look at Defibius going and Faye going, what just happened? Beyond that, I need something to put an object in and lock it in now. Okay, what do you need? Now. What, uh, bag of holding. She opens it up. No, no, something to put something else in, lock it up, and not put it in the bag of holding yet. Uh, she pulls out one of the toolboxes that Defibulus found and dumps it out and <laughs> opens it up. Defibulus will take that orb thing that he's, I guess, still holding onto mm -hmm. and put it in the toolbox and lock it in there. As you lock it away, you feel this immense pressure being taken off your shoulders as if you are not, you do not have some massive creature hovering over you, telling you what to do. Okay, that's much better. Care to explain? What was that? Yeah, so I will explain, but grab the one scientist person who's been talking to us and I might want to talk to some other people, because that's concerning. What? First tell us what happened before we involve them. I don't trust them. 
uh, that thing tried to get me to blow the place up. Told me to flood it at first, and when I ignored it, it told me to blow it up and think how beautiful the explosion would be. Throwing it in that box, it probably felt like I just pulled Clyde off my shoulders in his full suit of armor with a shield out. Or heavier. She's gonna look suspiciously down at the toolbox. She's not opening it, but like... No. You know, mentally staring through the box at it. No, don't touch. I'm not going to touch it. All right, well, she's just staring down at it suspiciously going, all right, well, let's go, uh... I don't know, I'm still suspicious about asking them anything, but... Because they might want it back. As you're standing there, you hear the heavy footsteps of an enforcer. You hear the, the wheels of a scout, and then you hear two other set of footsteps, one heavier and one a little lighter, as the enforcer and scout that helped you walk past you. They are heavily injured and covered in blood, but seem to be walking and moving okay. Emma and Lucas are right behind with smiles on their faces. She'll, Kyle will be at first surprised to see the enforcer and scout, and then seeing Emma and Luca, Lucas, her ears will pop up with a happy expression. Lucas is, smiles and goes, well, 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 it looks as if my ace in the hole was right. She was glad to see you're kicking too. It seems as if my little wild cards did a lot more damage to them infected, addicted, whatever you want to call them, than anything else. And it seems as if my casino is back up and running at full power. Emma gives a nod. We saw what happened on one of our security monitors and I was able to get my entire force down there to help out. But the, uh, in f between the turrets and the, the, those two, most of the addicted were unconscious. She'll nod and look at the fibulas and kind of quietly mouth, should we ask them first? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I trust them more than the scientists. Uh, I trust at least the one scientist that's been talking to us for the most part. She goes, you go get her. I'll keep these guys here. Yeah, find somewhere quiet to talk. Yeah, she'll... Kyle will look over at Lucas and Emma going, can we ask you guys a question away from them? With like, you know, her teeth closed, pointing over her shoulder. Lucas looks over your shoulder at the scientists and reaches into his pocket and pulls out a small white box and turns it on. And it sounds like there is ocean waves or static around you. You can hear each other clearly, but there's that over, you can kind of hear it in the background. Because we're going to wait for Defibulus to get back with the one scientist that we kind of trust, but we have some questions. They nod. Defibulus, as you come back with the scientist, you have this weird staticky sound around you until you get up next to everyone, and then it kind of fades away. The hell is all that? I don't know. He pulled out a white box. Lucas holds up the box. He goes, ah, now, uh, y'all don't know this, but, uh, runners run these things, and they're called, uh, noise generators. Uh, makes it hard for others to drop in on the conversation if they's not wanted. Or at least gives you the, the knowledge of it's hard to eavesdrop on you. So, I, so, I tried to wish I had one of those. This is mine. There ain't no others here. So, uh, what you guys want? She'll look at the fibulous since he's the one with the knowledge of the weirdness. So when we fixed 
when I fixed the uh, last generator thing, I found something teardropped and shiny jammed inside under the burnt out piece we had to replace. I pulled it out of there and all of a sudden it started whispering me trying to get me to flood this place or blow it up. Emma and Lucas look at each other and the scientist kind of sh makes a face of like, what the heck? And Emma nods and she goes, well, remember how I told you that Psycho had a partner, uh, Steve, guy who constantly screwed up. You, you probably saw the posters. Yeah. So, Steve was different. He always carried around this. She pulls out a piece of paper and draws a, a tear-shaped thing, and she shows it to you. It, it's not exactly the same, but it is very close to what you grabbed. So, Steve used to talk about how he got this gift from King, and that King said, when the time comes, you'll know what to do. And the closer and closer to when we lost all the power, Steve was becoming more and more irritated, more agitated, more murmuring about how the voices are telling him what to do. And that, you know, he can't wait till his role in the greater process happens. And he always had this thing clutched. Like, when I say clutch, like, I'm pretty sure he cut his hand on it at, with how tight he gripped it. But he always kept saying it was a gift from King and he'll know when to use it. And the last time I saw Steve, he was heading down to the main engine room to clean up some mess. Now the question is, where did King get this thing? Because this thing talks in your head and tries to get you to do bad stuff. She's still staring at it with some suspicions going, hmm, a teardrop that talks to you. I wouldn't say it talks, it more kind of tries to compel you to do bad stuff. Well, just defibulous, do you remember back in the Red Fish Temple? <laughs> yeah, the singing whale, that was great. But the orb, the pearl, it showed me, like, that mermaid's entire life. Remember? Yeah, I remember you saying that. Do you think it could be something like that? Well, did the mermaid orby thing tell you to blow the place up or flood it and kill everyone? No, but it did quote-unquote speak to me, showing me the life? This thing I mean, and then there was that possessed tree. That tried to, like, you know, possess me? Yeah. Or the corpse tree that possessed me in the cursed swamp? Yeah, that was a while ago. I remember that. Was there anything else that tried to compel us to do stupid things? The fire scepter torch thing with Argoroth the Rogoroth. Yeah. Remember? No, Clyde had a hold of that. He wouldn't let me touch it. Oh, I thought it spoke to him. And I thought it spoke to you, too. It may have, and I could have forgotten with all the explosions, shocks, and other weird things that happened to me. Kalila's going to go digging for the list from the rat scholar of the things they're supposed to find. All right. Faye is remembering but not saying anything about the uh, the collector's eyepiece. There, when you find the piece of paper, it says that there was a skull of earth, a scepter of fire, 
a gauntlet of water, the reaper's staff, and then the orb of wind, or crystal of wind, or pearl of wind, or whatever. Which we got the per- the pearl of wind, which there would be a little check mark next to the one, mm-hmm. a little check mark next to the scepter, and a little check mark next to the skull going, gauntlet of water. Well, gauntlet could also be a figurative, a figure of speech. You I'm have like, to run the gauntlet to harness it correctly. The gauntlet, in this case, being persuaded to do things you ought not. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, is technically this whole place has been a gauntlet. Right? It's kind of been fun, though, down here. Because either way, it needs to go back to the rat scholar. What's the one scientist saying anything, since she's been standing there this entire time listening to it? Is not sure what to say. Like, you could tell she's trying to process all this information, especially with the info dump of you saying Argaroth the Ragaroth, the Scepter of Flames. Like, like, it's one of those things of, like, it almost looks like if you're telling a child a fairy tale for the first time, not that wonderment, but that, like, is this really true, like, confused look. Just, do you know of anything that would speak to things or compel people to do something from your world as she vaguely gestures towards this facility? The scientist goes, well, I mean, if you have cybernetics, technically you could be hacked. It's really hard, but technically, I mean, I've heard that mages had something like that or tried to do something like that, but it was banned, and I've never heard of an item doing that. Thinking on the engine, was I'm assuming that this thing would, because it where it was jammed in the engine, is what blew out the engine originally? It was doing a lot more than that. Uh, once you had a chance to look at stuff, you can kind of remember that the circuit board that you pulled out was completely black and charred. It looked like someone had set fire to it. We also found the wind pearl in the engine core of the Godspell. We did. Both engines had something crammed into it. Oh, scientist lady, or anyone that can answer the question. What would it take to completely blacken and char one of those things I just replaced? They all kind of look at each other, and Lucas goes, Well, now, I had a a power surge a couple years ago before the, the flood that just fried the crap out of most of my circuit boards in my games. Uh, so a lot of electricity, uh, fire could do it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, both of those, because you're, you're just basically cooking it. And All you have to do is get enough heat and you could cook it. Well, the part that I replaced out of the generator was more charred than that gun I showed you, Emma. Emma's like, that probably means there was an electrical feedback and a lot of it. Which water is conductive. Mm-hmm. Okay, this might be stupid, but I want to open the box and look at it to Fibulous. I think we found the culprit for what's been wrong with the facility. Possibly, possibly even what happened to it to bring it here in the first place. All right, Emma, you're a really big, strong person. If she starts trying to blow the place up to kill us, I need you to restrain her without harming her. Give the kitty a hug. Got it. Yeah, to, Kalila will put her bow out of her reach, and same with her daggers. Just so that way she's not armed if she does get possessed, considering it's happened before. So she's at least disarming herself. As you open up the container and you look down at it, you start to get this heavy feeling on you. 
like if something dark and foreboding is starting to just reach out to you to the point of even Faye, you're starting to feel it. And Defibulous, you're kind of starting to feel it. Faye, this is that same sensation as when you grabbed the bone knife for the first time. Alright, not liking this. She'll close it quickly. Having learned her lesson, Faye shakes her head and um, internally quietly reaches out to her god again. Okay. Did any of you other non-people from my world, my timeline feel this or world or whatever the heck we're contributing this to? The scientist goes, it felt like it got a lot colder in here. Emma re- nods and goes, yeah, I mean, I could feel like my bones were freezing. Lucas is like, hmm. You know, have you ever had, like, you've been underneath a woman that's way too big for you and you was just making sweet love and then eventually you just kind of pass out? That's kind of what I had. Just that feeling. Defibulous will just kind of blink at that statement. Same with Kalila. It is just like, there was a heavy weight. <laughs> yes. That's one way to describe it. That, that, that is enough <laughs> to shake Faye out of whatever she's trying to do and she she is losing her shit laughing. Lucas is like, what? I like my women strong and independent. Kalila's eyes just go from Lucas to Emma to Lucas. Emma takes a physical step like a full step away from him and he's like what what lucas you're all right (laughs) nothing nothing so my question to everyone is where did this thing come from and why would king have had it and then told what's his name to jam it in the engine and blow try to kill the place yeah why would anybody want to destroy this what you call a facility and whatever happened to King? I mean, wasn't he down here? No. Like, Emma even shakes her head. She's like, no, King never came down here. He always sent... He sent Psycho and Steve. Now, what was that name you said? You said something about a guy with a scepter of fire? Argoroth the Rogoroth. Uh, he was a orc that lived in a volcano and was leading a mass army in the name of the Bone God. I know you guys don't believe in gods. She gives you a weird look, and she just kind of goes... That is a weird name. She goes, yeah, he had a fire of scepter, and this fire of scepter what spoke to us. Wanted every, us to burn everything down. Yeah, but something said douse it in water at, at some point or another, which took out the lava drake that was attacking the town. Oh, right, right. The one that you, I shot at and didn't death to. Yeah. With it. We talked to Clyde for a little while, and he ignored it, and then I think you took the scepter, and some, but what, maybe it was reversed, I forget the order, but so, so, it said something to somebody eventually, and the idea popped into our heads to drown the fi- scepter of fire in water, and it took out a lot of the fire problems that was going on. Emma looks at you and goes, Argoroth the Rogoroth. Yeah. Big orc dude, kind of red, really aggressive. Okay, that's weird. Uh, King had a had a right-hand man that someone called Arg. That's strangely familiar. Defibulous will thumb through his book. He looked like this guy here. Looks, she's like, mm, the Arg that I know or heard of, he's uh, bigger than that. He's a troll. Got a bunch of gnarly spikes on him. All cybered out. 
so it can't be the same guy. I mean, with enough time, it could be. Yeah, yeah, but orcs and trolls are two different meta types. They don't turn into each other. Huh. I will have to trust your judgment on that one. You are strong, though. Emma nods, and she goes, Well, I have to get back to work. I'm going to try helping secure the lower levels. We're going to try draining out the one level that got flooded. Lucas nods. He goes, And I'm up here to get my payments that I'll do for all the work I have been doing down below. That's fair. Which, while those guys are going, Kalila's going to take a detect magic on that teardrop really quick, too. As you detect magic, even through the box, the box seems to be made of a metal that seems to block out the way for it to talk, but you can see the glints of Icor magic that just seem to wrap around this te- teardrop. And you have this sense of, like, a hand that constantly is trying to reach out around it. An armored hand that is hitting this negative energy field around it. Like it needs it or it's trying to escape? Like it's trying to escape. How's your uh, detecting thing going there? She goes, there's like a it's magical and then there's a thick eye core around it. It is the Icor feeling is very reminiscent of any time you have dealt with the Bone God or his minions. I think we need to purify this somehow, because there's like a, a, a hand trying to reach out, trying to get out, trying to escape it, but there's a thick Icor around it. I think we need to somehow bless it, but I don't know how to bless anything, unless well. we pour water on it? Well, we poured water on the fire scepter to stop what it was doing. If that is the water thingamajigger, what do we use to fix purify the water thingamajigger? Well, fire is technically one way to purify some things, burn it out, and then water is a way to cleanse something, to, like, wash away. The scientist reaches into her pocket and pulls out a water injector and a fire injector. I've got these. And that might work. My vote is try fire first. Try fire first, since water worked on the fire scepter. Try the opposite and use fire to, to cleanse it out. All right, we just need somewhere safe to do this at then. The scientist goes. This area is all secured and is pretty, pretty destruct indestructible. Mm, are there still a bunch of scientists around? They're out over by the main engine working. Why don't? So this hallway is pretty empty. What about over in the greenhouse? Uh, that's where they get their food. They're going to get food from there later, aren't they? Yeah, that's the plan. That's what the scientists have been surviving off of. Let's do it in the elevator over where we came in at. Mm, But there's a lot of glass over there. All right, you pick a spot. Defeatless will go away from everyone. And then try it with fire. All right. As you open up the container, you guys feel that weird forebodingness. As you load the injector, what setting are you putting it at? That is a good question. What do you, how much fire do you think it takes to cleanse this thing? Go big or go home. Hey, scientist lady, will this thing melt the floor if I do it wrong? No, no, it won't. He will crank that thing up to three. As you crank it up to three, Defibulous, your hands start to spark this strange green lightning, and all of a sudden, that little 
chamber that went to three is rolling, is rotating, and you see in fluorescent green a number four as the cylinder bubbles hard and then just a beam of just white pulsing light hits this teardrop. And you hear this demon-esque scream as it just burns away, leaving a very shiny, still very magical teardrop. Um, no. I poke it. Okay. As you poke it, nothing happens. You do feel a, a sense of, like, water surrounding you, and then when you pull your finger away, it disappears. Did anyone else see the fluorescent colored light coming from the gun when I used it? Did we see it or just him? Nope, you all saw it. Yeah. And the gun is also blackened and just falls apart. Because I also saw the crazy white light come from it. Hey, scientist lady, does that thing normally have a setting of four? It shouldn't. Yeah, it did. And now, look, it, it turned to dust. She's like, well, it was a prototype. I will try to fix it or rebuild it. I would recommend rebuilding it. This thing, I think, just fell to pieces. Now, while, uh... Defibulous was talking to the scientist. Kalila's gonna look up at Faye and make eye contact to see did anything happen when she poked it. I sensed water, clean water, nothing heavy, nothing compelling. Seems fine to me. Kalila's gonna nod, look back down at the water crystal, and then just pick it up. You have this sensation of sitting on your back in a mass ocean, feeling the cool water move between your fur. And it's relaxing, but there's still that that heaviness to the water as if this water goes on for eons. Because I think we cleansed it, guys. I feel the weight of a mass ocean, but it's not like crushing. And I feel a nice gentle stream running through my fur even though I'm not wet as she hands it off to Faye to see if she feels the same thing. Well, I don't have fur. Well, you're different. You do get that same sensation of just being out in a mass ocean, laying on your back, staring up at a a clear sky and feeling that cool but heavy water. I mean, I feel like I'm floating on my back in the ocean and it's okay. There's nothing wrong here. Unusual. I mean, you don't feel like that every day, but nothing wrong. She'll look for Defibulus to take it. Ah. I mean, you Ah. could sell tickets to that experience. That was nice. Eh, what? Grab the teardrop. See what you feel. Here, try this. Kind of (laughs) relaxing. He'll cautiously take the orb thingy. You have that same sensation as everyone else. You are out on your back in a mass ocean. You could feel the weight of water that's existed for a millennia, and it could—you just feel that—that—that that, that eternity. You feel like this is not connected to the same world as you are, but it is bound to this world. Hmm. Interesting. Well, whatever it is, it's no longer bad, and I say we put it back in the box and get out of here and figure it out when we get back to the land? Maybe the rat scholar will be able to figure this out. Yeah, that might be a good idea. So are you guys going to go to the exit that you were shown? 
Well, since I guess they're all nonchalantly like, there's your exit, K, bye. The scientist is still with you. The one that has been talking to you. Emma and Lucas are now arguing with the administrator about what you can hear being allowed to help their families over just running mindless experiments. You get that inkling like you do not want to get involved in that argument because it looks like it's getting heated. My money's on Emma. The scientist looks at you guys and it's like, well, should we get you guys out of here? So what are you going to do now? I'm going to probably work with Lucas and Emma to try getting the cure out there. Well, you ever make it up to the, our side of the world, come by the Holy City. We have a nice place there. I might. Ratscholar would probably really want to meet you or hit you with a fish or a book, whichever happens first. I might have to contact HR on that then. Oh, he hits everyone with something. That's how he says he looks. His throws are weak. You can dodge him. Don't worry. Hmm. Unless you're a scholar, then they just seem to never dodge. No, they know what's coming. Well, let me at least walk you through how to get out of here. She walks you to where the door is, and she points. She goes, okay, so you're going to strap in and lock down, because this thing is going to get you out of the water. It's all on autopilot, and it's going to head to the first land it can find. So you should be 100% fine once you're on land. It'll open up, and you'll be able to get out. Does it have, like, enough food for a long trip, if that's a long trip? Uh, yeah, I'll, I can get you some fresh fruit, fresh food and stowed in there for about, I don't know, a week worth of rations. Yeah, that should work, thanks. We're only a couple hours from surface, so it shouldn't take too long. Well, but I don't know where this sat in relation to the rest of the world's land masses. Yeah, we kind of got blasted out of the sky. She just stares at you for a moment and just nods. After a few moments, she comes back with a small crate of food and helps you guys load it in. Are you guys ready to leave the Miranda? I'm ready to get back to the land, yes. Yep. Let's go. As you walk in and you sit down and strap yourself in, for us, it would be like a roller coaster strap. It's a heavy plastic that locks down. What you're in is a giant metal cylinder with some viewports in the front and on the side so you can kind of see what's going on around you. As she steps back, the door shuts and seals, and you hear the engines boot up. Escape pod activated. Locating closest landmass. Travel time, one day. Activating engines. The engines hum to start. And as you get further away, you can hear sparks and clicks as it starts to accelerate. There's a moment where you can feel the pressure of air as it's moving faster and faster. Autopilot, air, autopilot, disengage. Fibulous, what does that mean? Impact, imminent. It's gonna crash, that's what that means. Ten. Fabulous. Nine. And I don't think I know how to fly one of these, by the way. How do we get out of the restraints? Seven. You probably want to stay in those. Six. What do you mean we want to stay in these things? It's Five. Like it said error. Four. It's going to crash. Don't worry. Don't worry. Three. Two. Impact. Eminent. Driftgate activated. 
there is a whoosh of magical energy as you are sent off. You no longer see water around you, but in the viewports around you, you see a mass expanse of black and stars. You are weightless as it slowly rotates and you can start to see your home planet below you. You are drifting in space. Fabulous. Oh, I'm going to be sick. Wow, that's really neat. Where are we? Why does it feel like I'm falling and I'm not falling? Because you're not falling. Error. Error. Oh, I'm going to be sick. Entering atmosphere. Wait, did it just say atmosphere? Yep. Are we that high in the sky? Ship turns and starts to nosedive. Lila's eyes are just going massively wide in cat fear. Walter Fabulous is sitting in his chair, just kicking his feet, watching out the window. And you just see nothing but red and white flames encompass this strange thing that you're in. And that is where we end this week's episode. Well, 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 me friends. The adventurers were promised a way out. Out they are. But now they are plummeting in a ball of flames towards Nira Tova. You know, I was once told you wish upon a falling star. My question is, what do you do when you see adventurers falling from the sky? Well, as you ponder that, the moon is high and it is time for us to say farewell. Until next time, me friends, may the dice gods bless your every roar. We here at What the Dice would like to thank Paizo for creating Pathfinder, Epidemic Sound for our music, as well as Sirenscape for our sound effects. If you would like to reach out to us, you can do so on Facebook at What the Dice Pod, Twitter at What the Dice Pod, and of course email WhatTheDicePod at gmail.com. And if you liked our little adventure, please share us with your friends and rate and review us. 